In these uncertain times, it can be hard to make sense of everything that is happening across the world today. This is why the registry continues to bring its grounded and informed news coverage of everything real estate to keep you informed and better prepared to meet the challenges of the industry. We are able to deliver the reliable news you trust because of generous readers who support our work. Thank you to your commitment to journalism, especially now. And if you're not a subscriber yet, you can join us at theregistrysf.com in San Francisco and theregistryps.com in Seattle. Today we talk with John Pollack, the Chief Executive Officer of San Ramon, California-based Meridian, a West Coast real estate development firm. Although it is based in the Bay Area, Meridian has offices in Seattle, Phoenix, and Newport Beach. John is the Chief Executive Officer and is responsible for the vision, growth, and profitability of the company. He directs the company's strategy and manages operations, including development, sales, marketing, asset management, and finance. Prior to his appointment as CEO, John was Chief Operating Officer and Chief Financial Officer at the company as well. Welcome, John. People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything with an easy reach, whether it's world-class restaurants, theater, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among other industry leaders and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result? An unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at www.hacienda.org. John, good morning. How's it going? Very good, Vlad. Thanks for uh, having me on your program. Yeah, we're very happy to have you. Thank you for joining us, and thanks for um, you know taking the time to speak with us. By way of introduction, John, give us a little bit of a background, you know, to you, your company, you know, where you guys are active, what kind of stuff you do. Yeah, so um, Meridian, we're uh, based in the San Francisco Bay Area and have offices in several other markets, including Seattle. Uh, Los Angeles or Orange County, um, Phoenix, uh, we have uh, Texas uh, and Utah. So uh, we're covering the West Coast. Uh, we, um, our primary focus is healthcare. We do, we operate uh, a healthcare platform in each of those markets. And then here in the San Francisco Bay Area, we operate a general office um, platform as well. And when you say healthcare, is this primarily kind of medical office healthcare, or does it also include, you know, hospitals and maybe life science lab kind of stuff? Great, great question. Yeah, so uh, where where we have carved our niche out is is what I would say is in the outpatient care. So yes, MOBs, um, just really anything that's off campus. So we buy existing buildings and and fix them up. Um, we convert uh, office buildings to medical buildings in some cases, and in other cases, we do um, ground up um, healthcare buildings. Um, so that it really runs the gamut. I mean, it is predominantly 
what I would call value add, um, but then it's also development. But it, uh, we are also working with other um, partners, other equity partners that allow us to participate in a larger spectrum, um, moving up into the sort of core plus um, bits of uh, healthcare real estate. But it doesn't include um, life science or anything like that at this point. Got it. And how much of your portfolio is healthcare versus office? Uh, so right now of the existing portfolio, um, we're probably 75% healthcare. Um, but that is that ebbs and flows um, because um, we also sometimes describe ourselves as a merchant developer in that um, our traditionally our equity has been pretty what I'd call hot. And so we, we need to sort of either develop the project and or um, improve the project and, and move on to the next one relatively quickly. And in 2000, in, uh, our fiscal year ended March 31st, 2020. And, um, and during that fiscal year, we, we disposed of uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, inventory. And so as I sit here today, um, about 75% of it is in healthcare spread um, through uh, Arizona, Southern California, and Northern California. Yeah. And then you mentioned you're also in the Pacific Northwest and in Texas. How are you geographically spread out in terms of how much of your portfolio sits in those different markets? Yeah. So right now um, we're working on opportunities in both the Texas and uh, in Pacific Northwest markets, but we don't currently have inventory in those markets. The The pipeline is, looks good. And, you know, in particular in the Pacific Northwest, the amount of healthcare that you see in, in, um, in, in both, we operate in both the Portland market as well as the um, greater Seattle market. And, um, and it's, it's really attractive. Um, you know, despite this pandemic and the, 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 the awful things that have occurred, one of the things that we see as an upside as a result of it is a increase in the uh, amount of outpatient care that was already, yeah. um, the healthcare systems were already doing that in order to gain market share. You're only going to see that continue to, to explode where you want to keep healthy people away from sick people that might be at the acute care centers on, on the hospital campus. And um, so we have a number of requirements in some of the, the outlying Seattle markets for outpatient clinics uh, with some of the uh, predominant healthcare providers up in that market. Yeah. So we're looking forward to working on those projects. Doing more there. Absolutely. One of the things over the last maybe decade, so essentially in the last cycle, there has been a lot of more emphasis on outpatient care. And we've followed that a little bit through our observation of the markets also. Uh, tell us a little bit about how to, how that evolved. You know, I think part of it is because of technology, but part of it is also uh, hospitals really trying to manage their flow of patients and, and their work. Um, Give us a sense of, you know, where, where that was over the last, you know, 10 years or so. Yeah, well, Vlad, don't get me on my soapbox. You can stop me <laughs> anytime, but I get kind of passionate about these things. But, you know, I look at the healthcare industry and, and uh, the U.S. Um, spends approximately 18% of our GDP on healthcare. And um, if you look at that um, by comparison to the other industrialized nations, it's, it's, it's almost twofold. And, and our outcomes are not 
um, all that better than yeah. those other nations. So we have a, we have a real uh, issue in terms of its dis- sustainability in terms of spending that much money on healthcare. So um, one of the things that uh, Meridian um, does and prides herself on is working with healthcare systems to help lower the cost, but also increase access to care. And outpatient care does that in in spades in in many respects particularly when we can reuse existing buildings, we can often provide great space to the healthcare providers in an off-campus setting that, at, that are at uh, lease rates that are, are very manageable for their business. It, it, just, it, it just has to happen, right? Try to curb my enthusiasm, yeah. but you know, um, you know, with the pandemic occurring and the, the rapid adoption of telehealth, is is incredible some of the changes that uh, cms did who controls um, you know medicare and medicaid spending to allow for uh, parity in terms of payment parity between in-person visits and telehealth visits will be assuming they they remain will have a profound impact on the delivery of care it'll both increase the access and reduce uh, hopefully reduce cost i know here in the Bay Area, we're uh, in the middle of building a multi-specialty ground-up, twenty-five thousand square foot MOB in um, in Castro Valley, and the user wanted to pause to really look at how how telehealth will be incorporated into that facility. Um, we're scheduled to deliver the shell, I think, in October, so it, the pause won't create much of a disruption to the. Uh, the progress, but it just, it speaks to how telehealth will change the industry, you know, physicians and the nurse practitioners sure. still need physical space to deliver in-person care, but also have all the tools at their disposal to, to um, do the video consults and things like that. So these are great changes that will ultimately, I think, help to rein in the cost of care in, in the healthcare system in the U.S. Right. So two things kind of strike me as you were talking about that. One is that you just finished your fiscal year, so I'm I'm just curious. You 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 know prior to a role as the CEO, you were also the CFO and COO of your company, so you're very acutely aware of its operations and how the numbers work and that kind of thing. So tell us a little bit about you know kind of that you know you know maybe the notion of you couldn't wait for that year to be over <laughs> fiscally. <laughs> uh, you know, how how were you guys, you know, closing off the year? And then I do want to go back and talk a little bit about sort of how the pandemic and, you know, everything else is changing the industry. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I think 2020, which which is the fiscal year we just ended in March 31st, um, was really a high watermark for Meridian. You know, I, I had been getting... A bit nervous. I mean, we were pretty long in the last cycle, and you know, real estate is by its nature cyclical. And um, so, we ended the fiscal year with about 120 million dollars in sales of properties that we did um, during that past year, which is um, quite a bit more than we normally do. And it really put us in a in a good position um, moving into the 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 downturn that we're currently in the midst of, you know, I'm, I'm super excited about the fact that all of my debt mature, all my debt is with relationship lenders. Yeah. It's, it's the maturities are 2022 and beyond. We've been able to our collections and in, in all of our multi-tenanted buildings. Um, I have been 
you know, on par with what I've heard other uh, peers in the industry say. They're they're really pretty good, and um, and all of our multi-tenanted buildings are cash flowing. So our developments are on on schedule, and um, I'm really excited about the ability to sort of hold our core competencies together, and um, and take advantage of this dislocation that's occurring in the market. And you also stated that you were able to, I don't want to use the word get rid of, but you were, you were, you were able to dispose or, you know, sell some of your assets also. So was that also in kind of preparation to, you know, shore up the, shore up the sort of dry powder, if you will, and kind of wait for the, uh, you know, potentially, uh, you know, maybe start up the next cycle? Yeah, I mean, I mean, let's be honest. I mean, nobody <laughs> would have seen this coming, and so it wasn't. Um, it, it wasn't that we had some sort of crystal ball, but right, you right. know, it, it it was the right time to sell some stuff. We made some hard decisions in our last fiscal year to dispose of assets that you know might have benefited from holding them a little bit longer, but we made the decision. Uh, they were with non-relationship uh, lenders, so um, they were with you know, some of the debt funds and things like that that tend to be a little bit less flexible. It, it was just the right time um, for us to sell. I think the uh, last asset that I sold was in January. It was a nearly 200,000 square foot um, office building in Concord, which is a uh, obviously a suburb of the San Francisco Bay Area. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, as I look back now, I'm, I'm pretty pleased by our decisions that we put in place um, as we went into our uh, last fiscal year, and then of course executing on that and and disposing of those assets was was great to take those chips off the table. Yeah, no, it makes sense. So now, as you know, we sit where we are, um, kind of looking at how the industry is is evolving and how we are reacting to the global pandemic more and more. How are you seeing the market that you serve evolve? So you've touched a little bit upon upon telehealth, uh, you know medicine being something that's just going to continue to grow. Uh, but, you know, w- what are some trends, you know, maybe help us identify kind of where where you think that whole world is going to go and, and why a medical office building is going to be more relevant in the next decade? Yeah. Um, yeah, great. I mean, this is what uh, uh, I spend my time thinking about, um, what what the future is going to look like and, and how to position ourselves to take advantage of that. And as as it relates to our healthcare business, uh, like I've said, I mean, I think this sort of spoke model will be um, a strategy that all systems will uh, embrace. Um, so this this really puts that care, that non-acute care, out into the communities where people are living and or working these days, and uh, makes it very accessible to them. There there are um, a lot of um, things that cannot be done via t- telemedicine. Um, you know, I do think that. Um, you might see the diagnostic centers where you go in and you have the ability to take blood pressure and all your vitals, and then maybe you do the consult with the physician via video, Then, and that physician might be sitting in a um, call center, could be sitting in an acute care facility, um, but they're able to deliver that care out, out to the community without having the doctor zip around all over the place and spend a bunch of time on the road. Uh, You know, I also think that, um, again, CMS has allowed more and more procedures to occur in outpatient surgery centers. And so I think that, um, again, that allows a patient to go have 
you know, a hip replacement potentially or a knee replacement in one of these outpatient centers and not have to go into that hospital uh, acute care setting where they could potentially be exposed to viruses and or you know, sure. different infections and other sick people. So, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a list of different outpatient sort of um, things that can now be done, um, imaging, oncology. There's, a, there's a, a whole host of things that are um, smartly done outside of that acute care campus and cannot be done via telemedicine. And so that's where I see the, um, the future uh, for healthcare and healthcare buildings. Are you anticipating more hospitals expanding that way, or are you anticipating kind of a you know, plethora of these sort of smaller, maybe service providers, or maybe some combination of the two? Well, there, there definitely has been an industry, there's been definitely a consolidation, sort of the, the, the days of the Max Welby sort of individual practitioner have sort of uh, gone away, and you see that the, the um, health systems uh, taking and yeah. gobbling up practices um, to control that. that. That being said, there are a lot of regional operators and a lot of good operators, and often cases they're partnering with the uh, major health systems in the area um, to deliver a more integrated care to, to the patients. I do believe the health systems also want to both expand their accessibility to their patients. So pushing that care into the communities will allow them to gain market share. You know, you see that, um, you know, in, in, in the Seattle market, there, there are a number of great providers up there and they all sort of infringe on one another. Their, um, you know, uh, Virginia Mason, Providence, Swedish, albeit the same, you know, Evergreen out on the east. What is it? Overlook. I mean, th- there's some great providers up there, but they're yeah. keep bumping up against each other, which it does. It, it makes it ripe for opportunities for a firm like Meridian to help them um, with that outpatient um, rollout sort of yeah. program. So. I'm super excited to see what the future holds um, as a result of, of this. Yeah. So, John, your your background has not just been in medical office buildings. Your your background has been in retail and sort of other property sectors. You, you know, based on based on the bio that you guys uh, shared with us, uh, you worked um, in San Jose on the Santana Row project. You worked on the Lincoln Square project in you know Bellevue also, which are which are two very kind of prominent retail centers uh, of, of the of the two you know regions tell us a little bit about how you know your exposure to kind of other parts of the you know industry has helped you lead meridian into where it's going now yeah great, great examples uh, vlad those are um uh i had the uh the opportunity to be part of the general contractor on the um on the Santana Row project. And of course we, uh, if you think back, God, it was a hundred years ago now, but you know, we had the, the massive fire as we had, uh, we sort of built these podiums uh, where, you know, the down below was all the retail and we put the multifamily on top. And uh, right as I think the plumbers were in there, one of the big buildings burnt to the ground. It was quite a, uh, quite a scene there. Um, and then, and then the just a funny little anecdote on Lincoln Square is that the equity behind uh, 
behind that project was, I believe it was Lend-Lease or one of their funds. And uh, I worked for the general contractor that was um, basically owned by Lend-Lease. And so they had some difficulty with the, the contractor. And so our team went up there and basically got that project um, started. And that was, boy, that must have been in the early 2000s. And I had not been back up there until um, recently when Meridian opened our offices up there. Yeah. And to see the transformation that's occurred in that city and to see the finished product is just incredible, um, that um, that transformation. Yeah. And, and both have become sort of centers of gravity, I would argue, uh, you know, not that, you know, in San Jose, Santana Row is the center of gravity, but it certainly is for that part of San Jose. And I would argue, um, you know, for <clears> Bellevue <throat> also, I mean, that, that area, I mean, it sort of centers around kind of all this sort of retail and everything that's going on, um, in, in that region too. So, I mean, that, that I'm, I'm, I'm asking that because I think there is, there is a bit of a, you know, customer service um, kind of thing that, you know, what your product today offers, it's not retail, but it's obviously focused on, you know, a customer, right? Different kind of need, obviously. But but I wanted to see if there was sort of a way to, you know, draw some kind of a parallel between those experiences and sort of where, where you are today. Yeah. And if I can pull on another thread that we discussed and kind of tie all this together, and that is, um, you know, where Meridian was in the 2008 yeah. downturn. And um, we at that time had about, a, you know, just under a million square feet of um, spec development that we had done throughout California. So um, in Arizona, quite frankly, at that time. So you, you, you sort of hit the nail on the head and that's that customer service element, right? That paying attention to, uh, to the, the end users um, or the, the users of the real estate. And um, it was interesting because Meridian really cut its teeth. We had, um, before 2008, I think we had this mindset that, um, and I was relatively new to the organization at that time, um, and I think I was uh, CFO at the time. We had sort of this um, build it, that field of dreams sort of mentality, like if you build it, they will come. And uh, and obviously that wasn't going to work in 2008. I think right at that same moment, we had the um, untimely and unfortunate uh, passing of our then CEO and um, sort of I had to take over and, and sort of get that inventory under control. And uh, the one thing that allowed us, well, two things that really allowed us to do that is that attention to customer service, really holding those physicians' hands and really working with them to provide a turnkey solution to their space requirements, flexibility. And that time we used to do condominiums so we could either lease the space or sell the space the you know the benefit of being financially sound and having a a incredible parent company um, allowed us to provide the liquidity and the capital improvement dollars that were necessary to make deals during that that great recession and that's really the building blocks of where um, meridian has emerged since that uh, great recession so um, i think that my past experience in those you know, be it the Lincoln Square or the Santana Row, general contracting and uh, just real estate in general. And then tying in that customer service has really helped to propel Meridian forward. Over the last decade, I feel there has been kind of a preponderance of the medical office buildings sort of proximate to some of these retail centers simply because, you know, people are used to kind of going in, in those areas and being being in close proximity there. Um 
now that retail in in many ways is you know really getting um i don't know what what the word is maybe clobbered maybe um <laughs> maybe there's a there's a nicer word that i could use but um you know are, are do you think there are opportunities for some reinvention of you know retail into the product that you currently serve and would Meridian consider uh, looking at some retail opportunities to convert them into into medical office buildings? Yeah, uh, yeah, without question. I mean, I, I think that even in 2000 and uh, coming out of the 2008 downturn, we saw this sort of we would um, in all the different healthcare conferences, you talk about the retailization of healthcare. And, um, you know, the, the one thing that is sometimes challenging in that is that often those big retail centers are owned by, you know, large uh, retail owners, you know, what is it, Simon Properties, those types of big owners. And it, it makes it very difficult to get sort of fee simple interest for a developer like Meridian to really get in there and and, and do anything. But, um, you know, we have seen it. We've, we've done, um, we've put a healthcare clinic in a Home Depot out parcel. We've converted a post office into an outpatient clinic in Walnut Creek. We recently did a converted a building for uh, Hospital Corporations of America in Las Vegas to that was, uh, I think, a former bank branch. I think we did that in the Los Angeles market. So, so you were seeing it to begin with. And I think that's only going to accelerate. I know my acquisition team is is, you know, unfortunately looking at the, you know, the demise of whether it's the Kmarts or any of these big box retailers to look where there might be opportunities to convert those into multi-specialty medical office buildings. You know, those retail sites have the parking, which is sure. so often uh, the hindrance of converting to medical. And two, they, they almost inevitably have the clear height that you look for and you need, you know, there, there might be some infrastructure things, be it uh, HVAC or power water that may need to be upgraded, but those are usually relatively easy to do. And um, so I think it will emerge. And I think retailers um, before the pandemic and certainly after will realize the value of, of those medical facilities and driving traffic to their, um, their, their other retailers, quite frankly. So I think there's going to be some real synergy. Sometimes where you the rub is, is with the cities, of course, because they don't generate the, the retail um, tax dollars or the sales tax dollars that right. cities had wanted. But um, um, so that's the rub. But I, I think we'll close we'll, we'll quickly get over that in that, you know, vacant centers don't uh, uh, generate much in the way of um, uh, sales tax revenue either. Yeah. Such is life today, I think, right? I think the city the city councils and the planning departments will have right. to get used to that, right? Yeah, it makes sense. John, as you look at your, you know, history throughout a couple of these recessions, um, what are some of the lessons learned that um, you guys are, you know, employing in your everyday work today? It is beautiful to have both uh, the company positioned where we are today and have the luxury to be able to kind of study and analyze what's happened in the past and take lessons learned. And often they're not they're not easy. I was thinking about that question before our call, and I thought, you know, if if we bring ourselves back to the the, the tragic tragedy of nine eleven and all that happened in Manhattan, I mean, I think it would have been hard to imagine returning to uh, you know, high-rise office buildings in Manhattan after that tragedy, yet, you know, 20 years later before this pandemic. I mean, 
I'm not an expert on that market, but I, I, I suspect it was dense and I suspect that um, they were occupied and there's people crammed onto the subways to get there. And today it seems equally improbable that people will want to uh, crowd on the, uh, the local transit and get back to downtown Seattle or downtown uh, San Francisco, but it will happen. While we're planning for sort of short, medium, and long-term uh, changes, I think in the long term, you will see whether it's a vaccine that's created that allows people to get back to downtown districts and return to work. It, it'll happen. Yeah. And and as you look at the economy more broadly, what, what are you personally kind of, you know, tracking and looking at to sort of help you understand, you know, where where the market might be might be moving to or how it's evolving? Vlad, I think one of the interesting things um, as I look at our office, I know we've been talking a lot about the healthcare market, but if I look at the the office market, which I've been spending a lot of time looking at and, you know, how will that change in in, in the near term? And, um, you know, the, the sort of this po- uh, opposing forces, I guess is what I'd call it. You have on the one hand, this sort of boom in the work from home. And then you have this need for lower density in the offices. And, and how will that play out? So that's, that's I'm particularly both intrigued and excited about that. I think that overall, we'll see a maybe a, a, a decline in the, in the sort of medium term um, for office space as a result of the successful work from home that I think many of the organizations are experiencing. But you know what what I think is I really think that the suburban markets are going to be the the beneficiaries of this in the short and near terms because I do believe that that if if uh, you know an investor like Meridian is able to take a, a suburban general office building that is amply parked and um, folks can drive to it and we can go in there and uh, provide those amenities that a lot of the organizations were used to in some of the uh, more densely populated places like downtown San Francisco. I think you'll see organizations looking to have these sort of touchdown places where they can continue to uh, engage their employees, create their brand and their cultural centers. Um, not necessarily folks going in there every day, but, you know, providing places that they can collaborate, that they can drive to, that are perhaps closer to where they live. I think that, I think those will see a, a, a real boom in, in the, in the medium term here. So uh, I know we have our eye closely on that right now here in the San Francisco Bay area. Yeah. And does that potentially open opportunities for Meridian to get into some other uh, property types that maybe you haven't done before? Yeah, I mean, it's always tempting, but I mean, we've developed core competencies within both our healthcare and our office sector. You know, when we talk about office in particular, not too much on the healthcare. Sometimes in the office, we have to have some retail, and that is perplexing. You know, how and what does that look like? So I don't see us, you know, adding a I don't think anybody would see anybody adding a retail uh, development arm just at this moment. Yeah. But but I like sticking to our knitting. And uh, I think that the, the, the respective niches that we've carved out are going to do very well in the post-COVID uh, environment. And I'm, I'm really pretty excited about those opportunities. In fact, I, I might be even a little anxious and hopeful that uh, we, get, uh, we get through this more quickly so we can kind of get back to business. 
Yeah, makes sense. So, John, if um, you were to kind of send a, you know, an optimistic message out to the industry, what would that be? Well, I don't want to send too optimistic a message. I don't want my competitors getting out there before me, but um, <laughs> fair I enough, did, of course. <laughs> measured, <laughs> um, measured then. Right. You know, I mean, you know, to be to be honest, I mean, you, you think about uh, the sort of the spike in cases that we've seen here in late June, and it is concerning. You know, I was you know somewhat hopeful that we would return to uh, a more normalized business activity in sort of the fall and, and winter time. Uh, but I have a close eye on the um, the uptick in cases. But if you wanted that optimistic uh, message, Vlad, I think it would be that this too shall pass and, and we will get back to business. It is, uh, it'll be an incredible opportunity for both Meridian and our competitors to reshape the real estate space in this post-COVID environment. John, thank you for your thoughts and your feedback. Stay safe. Thank you. 